helping people look for their families and giving them medical supplies and trans transporting them over from the country that's being bombed. And then after your shift is over, in the refugee center on a cot, you're studying finance in sports. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, disruption, philanthropy, college athletics, all different kinds of things as we have for the past probably five and a half years as we sit here at the end of May uh, 2022, leading into Memorial Day. Uh, we've just finished graduation, but for today, I'm Joe Favorito. Well, I'm always Joe Favorito, but I'm doing this solo today uh, as my co-host Tom Richardson and our other partner Scott Rosner are off for the holiday weekend. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the student experience and kind of the career path and also the unique places that you sometimes show up when you try to do a little bit more and you go to a place where probably six months ago, maybe you didn't think you were going to get there. Um, so our guest today uh, is one of our students uh, who's had a, a pretty interesting already career before he got to us on the college athletic space already. Uh, but he also had an experience which we want everybody to hear about and learn about um, in the last couple of months. And I don't want to kind of give it away because I want him to talk through the whole period of how he got there. But uh, AJ Trelease, welcome to the Cusp Show. Thank you for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, thank you because this is um, probably going to be one of the more unique stories that anybody heard hears. But first, AJ, kind of walk us through your college experience the stuff that you did after graduation and kind of, especially people should know that you're a commuter, commuting from Connecticut from your day job yeah. to our program. Um, kind of walk us through the kind of how you got to where you are before we get to the kind of the, the big reveal that we'll do in a couple minutes. Yeah, um, so I went to University of Connecticut, Stores campus, the main campus for my undergrad career. Uh, worked for the athletics department there. I was a tour guide. I had I don't know, a different, different to like up to upwards of eight different jobs there, uh, but always three at one time, or at least at least two. Um, so upon graduation, I had a couple jobs lined up, but I graduated in 2020, and what that means is all of those jobs didn't work out because of the coronavirus. I, coronavirus was about two months old by the time I graduated, which was May of 2020, and that whole thing started in March. So. It was brand new, the whole world shut down. And I decided to pick up an MBA track at Bentley University, which was completely online. Uh, it's a, like a liberal arts college in, up, I think like near Boston area, Waltham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I did the program online. Like I said before, I was living in Manchester, Connecticut, which is upper, upper Connecticut, about 20 minutes out from the border at Massachusetts. And after a year of being there, I was working with UConn admissions virtually as well. So completely indoors for both school and work. Um, you know, I was doing that. And I remember, I wasn't sure if it was Scott or LJ or somebody else reached out with some marketing thing about Columbia. I had no idea that they had, or were continuing the sports management program because I did uh, a shadowing program there with uh, you, Joe, and also Guy Ford. Mm -hmm. And I completely forgot about it. You know, this was years later. And, you know, I saw the program was an option there. And I figured, why not? This was the only school I applied to to um, hopefully transfer, which didn't end up working out. You know, it's not an MBA program. It's a master's in sports management. And, you know, I ended up getting in, thankfully, and then enrolled in uh, April of 2021. And currently, 
I'm a student athlete development coordinator at Sacred Heart University for the football team there. I want them, it's like glorified, um, if you've ever seen Last Chance U, I'm Miss Brittany, pretty much I'm telling everyone to uh, get their grades up. It's, it's my day job and I love it a lot. I work mostly with the freshmen and sophomores. Aside from that, I'm also a bartender at the moment, and I work for Columbia uh, University's admissions department in an uh, internship. Also, which just ended today, I had my exit interview today for Red Cross, and that's what's going to you know, translate into the next topic. Um, I was doing an internship with Red Cross for the better part of the last two months, doing corporate uh, relationships, which meant I was handling more of the NBA and NFL accounts when those community initiatives with those community initiatives when they wanted to donate to certain areas. Um, you know, a lot of their funding, a lot of the NBA's funding just went toward Texas with the school shooting there. And then about a month ago, a lot of their funding was going toward uh, Ukraine and Poland, um, the efforts over there. And uh, that, I guess that's what's going to bring us up to the next topic. So, yep. go ahead. so be- before, before you do the big unveil, I want to go yeah. back for a second. So you talk about the seven or eight things that you did at UConn. Tell yeah. us what some of those things were and kind of like how you moved, moved around as an undergrad, especially, you know, kind of picking up these things. Cause people think about athletic departments and they think maybe about coaching or graduate assistants or working on the marketing side. What were, explain to us some of the things that you did, which is, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah. The first thing I did, I was a game operations assistant technically which meant glorified security at a gamble pavilion pretty much um again i was on the store's campus so our main basketball stadium was gamble pavilion right on campus and there i'd be setting up the fields a lot of operations work as well setting up not the field but the court uh breaking it down ushering the away teams when they would visit to their uh, locker rooms i remember ucf played one of my favorite friends ucf played uconn i believe in 2019 or 2017 i can't remember which year but uh, Taco Fall got hurt on the court, and I was one of the guys that helped him off. And he was using wow. this, that, that, that's literally a tall order for people who don't know. Taco Fall is <laughs> yeah. seven, six, right? he, yeah. he, I believe he's seven six. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a tall guy, and I'm I'm six foot in shoes, so it looked like I was a midget out there. Um, but either way, uh, that's what I was doing for them. I continued that up until graduation, so I was always one job I had. I mentioned being a tour guide there, and that's not really athletics, but that was another side job I had. I worked for equipment for the football team there, uh, which meant I was, you know, doing inventory. And, of course, when they needed help on the field for setup or, you know, even running drills, I was doing that as well. And I did that for the – right before COVID hit in 2019. Um, Aside from that, I I worked in compliance a little bit. I started an internship there. And it was like a rotational internship. It's hard to explain, but they put you in all different departments in the uh, athletic department there. So one was in compliance, marketing. I remember sales was part of it as well. And I did that for a better part of the year. And, uh, you know, you get your foot wet in each department and uh, see what you like best. And, you know, even to this day, I'm not exactly sure which one I like, mm-hmm. but I was drawn toward compliance a little bit. And that's what brought me toward, uh, I think that's what brought me toward Sacred Heart Football, you know, with my position as student athlete development coordinator it sounded the best deal uh both with interacting with players because i'm a very personable guy to also rules and regulations and eligibility requirements and uh it's what i'm doing now so you take all those pieces you go through an online program graduate during a pandemic 
we met during actually we met during the summer program that we used to do for high school students when Guy Fort, who was one of our former students, uh, has had kind of a unique career. And if you get a chance, look up the podcast we've done with Guy, and, and you'll be amazed and enthralled at, at where he's gone. And, and by the way, as a side note, with Guy Fort, his youngest son is now going to uh, training camp with the Jets after a career at. Um, at UConn. But anyway, don't want to kind of digress. So you touch on all those things, you get the online, uh, the MBA online, uh, you decide you want to obviously continue to learn and grow in sports management, you come here, you, you know, you're commuting back and forth from Connecticut, for days when you have class, um, you know, in kind of, again, still a little bit of this hybrid world that we were in. And then you get to the Red Cross. So before um, we get to once again, the big reveal, I don't think people would realize that Red Cross and sports cross over. So what are some of the things that Red Cross does when you talk about managing relationships that they have? Sure. So what I was involved with, um, well, firstly, I heard about the opportunity through Columbia's Career Development Office. Mm -hmm. And from there, I saw corporate uh, relationships as a position. And I took that up, not really knowing what it was, but I knew I wanted to look for an internship for the summer and ended up being a little shorter before the summer summer but you know I don't want to digress either um but some of the things that I found out you know being a part of the organization organization there that they do and what I was in charge of was looking over um like cross-marketing opportunities with accounts that we already had so by accounts I mean these corporate relationships that we keep with entities like think about like PwC and Morgan Stanley uh, they all have these community initiatives and they want to go green and they want to do things for the environment and uh, help donate toward world disasters. Um, NBA, NFL, NHL, these big sports entities, they do the same thing. We might not hear about it much. I know MLS is big on it, and MLB is probably the biggest. They have the most initiatives, mm. to be honest. Yep. At least, uh, um, you know, and what my responsibility there was, was to see what they wanted to do, get in contact with the right people to see if they wanted to donate toward, you know, world disasters that are going on now, preventative measures that might happen in the future, whether that be, you know, annual donations or, you know, like I said before, what was going on during the time. So, you know, like I said before, with the mass shooting in Texas, a lot of, um, although my internship just ended, uh, my mm-hmm. super was going back to all of those accounts that I was doing before and seeing, reaching out about that. Yeah. So... You're at the Red Cross doing this internship. You're going to school. Yeah. Um, and an opportunity comes along, uh, literally, well, not literally, but figuratively out of the blue for you to do something that isn't really in sports, but is about giving back. And um, tell us about uh, the experience that came about and kind of walk us through the, you know, the thing that, that always sticks out to my mind, including the, the stories that you can tell about being there is the fact that you never stopped taking your classes either. So, oh. so, so tell us about um, the, uh, the experience. Sure. So um, I saw the opportunity through Red Cross. They have this page where they, um, you know, allow people to see what they can do to volunteer and help out and whatever's going on during the time period. And during that time period, I signed up to leave April 17th for um, the border of Poland and Ukraine, where I was going to help uh, refugees fleeing from Ukraine into Poland uh, for a week. It was through it was April 17th through the 25th is when I flew back. And for those who are not familiar, that is during final season during the spring semester. So 
Um, it was a tall order. Not only did I have to clear schedule for all three of my jobs at the time, um, but I had to figure out finals, you know, and thankfully this week paired up I was taking two classes and both of those classes had a week break right before the final started for each class. And that was the week that I went over to uh, Poland pretty much right on the border. Uh, the town that the, I was based in a refugee center there and I slept in the refugee center um, where all these people from Ukraine were coming. It was mostly women and children because as you know, most body guys were there to fight, um, fight off the Russian forces there. And um, I was about, I'm not sure how many miles, but I know 40 minutes by car from the border. I was in a town called Shemish. It looks like the word pretzel, but it's pronounced Shemish. So it tells you anything about the language of <laughs> Um, I didn't understand the lick of it. And I don't know any, I look Polish. I don't understand Polish um, or Ukrainian or Russian. So it was, uh, it was a lot of translation, a lot of gesticulation, trying to figure out what people wanted. And what I mean by that brings me to the responsibilities that I had. So I signed up um, not through Red Cross, but Red Cross told me about this sign up through uh, World Central Kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing a, they were based in a refugee center and what they were doing was pretty much a, uh, just like a food kitchen, like a food drive, people would walk in who were either sick or starving or they hadn't eaten in days, really. They would come up and we would feed them with, you know, mass amounts of food. And it would be a 24-7 hour gig. So you could sign up for 12-hour shifts or you could stay longer, but the kitchen never closed because the refugee center never closed. So as long as the refugee center was open, it's still open to this day. It's still going on. We just don't hear about it as much. Um, and with that being said, you know, I was behind the counter there giving out food to a lot of people. Um, what they would do is they would transport Ukrainian refugees from Ukraine in the Poland to that refugee center. And once they would enter, there'd be different rooms designated, designating where someone would want to go to next. Um, so say, for example, someone wanted to go to Italy as their next stop, maybe they have family over there. They would sit in that room for 24 hours to get over whatever sickness. I use quotation there. That's the best they could do. It was complete chaos going over there. There was very little organization. And it's not World Central Kitchen's fault or anybody's just because of, think about what's going on, right? And everyone that I saw was panicking for the better part of it. They would transport people in. And sometimes these people would come without other family members. So I, I remember one case couple of kids came over and they were looking for their parents. So I had to get someone who could translate, describe the parents and the refugees. Thankfully we found them. Um, but it was, it, I mean, sure shock on these kids' faces. It was, uh, it drops your heart. It drops your heart. It dropped my heart great, like crazy. Um, you know, and I, I wasn't able to take any photos in the refugee center because that refugee center, just like every other that you'll see in the world that no one talks about, the human trafficking rate is so sky high that they don't want any pictures going out of anybody uh, less notices and can identify. And even the one I was based in, it was, it was high. I didn't see anything. Um, and it was heavily guarded as well. You know, soldiers from all different types of countries, they looked maybe 13 or 14 years old from the youngest I saw. Hmm. And I couldn't take any pictures at the border either, you know, unless they, unless you wanted your phone destroyed, you know, they don't want any of that going on, but the lines of cars that were trying to get into Poland. I mean, I couldn't find an end of it. Um, I would bring medical supplies from the refugee center to the border where they were crossing in. And also vice versa, I'd be bringing people from that bus over to the refugee center as well. 
Um, I did a multitude of different things, helping people out with medical services, guiding them to tents, um, identifying people, helping families reunite, and also giving out food and transporting them over. It was a lot. I did shifts for 12 to 16 hours a day. Um, obviously unpaid, it was all volunteer. And um, I mean, it's a, an, an experience I'll absolutely never forget, I don't think. How, um, when we talked uh, earlier in the week, you touched on some of the people like, oh, you know, is it real? How close is it? I mean, you were pretty close. I mean, you could hear and see shelling from where you were. And um, what was that? I mean, did, I asked you this the other day, were you ever scared? And, and what was that like? I was scared, yeah, especially for the first couple of days. And um, I wouldn't say the first day, just because like, like every shocking moment, you don't really feel the emotion up until after. Um, I guess I didn't really conceptualize where I was and I was actually doing this until I was there, you know, and I saw the amount of cots that people were sleeping on. The, um, it's just hard to explain, you know, the, the amount of, the, when I saw like terror in people's eyes is when it yeah, I mean, it's hard to put in the words, but when I got there, after it went on a couple of days, you kind of get not into a routine, but you almost become numb to it almost, I want to say, and you pretty much have to. And I was only there for a week, you know, and I, I knew people, I've met people there who had been there for a couple of months. Um, not by a couple of months, but like since it started, but it seemed like they'd been there forever, right? And by that time, it was a month or two since. Um yeah, I mean, it was it was just a surreal moment, and, and it has nothing to do with sports. But I'm very happy that I was able to give back. And I mean, if you want to make it sports worthwhile, I mean, kids who couldn't talk to each other were playing soccer outside, so they were bonding. interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, um, the reason why I asked you about all your jobs, AJ, is my guess is that there were translatable skills even in the short period that you were there, lessons learned, and again. I hate the, you know, the analogies of sports being like war and we're going to battle and because it's nowhere near true, obviously, but, but I would imagine there were basic skills that you picked up along the way, um, whether it's teamwork, whether it's organization, whether it's time management, uh, whether it's, you know, learning from loss, because uh, you were at UConn probably saw a lot of football losses in the time you were there. <laughs> um, yeah. um, were there skills, like when you were thinking about it, as you were going over, either you picked up from the from learning at the Red Cross during your internship, or just from your your experience in athletics that helped you not just get through it, but kind of 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 help kind of move things along. It's a really good question. I think with the amount of responsibilities I had, um, you know, from UConn, I had a lot of uh, autonomy in most of the athletic department. Uh, positions that I had especially that rotational program you know they kind of put me in introduced me to it and then it was up to me to you know ask for help when I needed it pretty much right so I was on until I needed help and I think a lot of what I learned there especially I mean like really absorbent age I'm like 19 20 20 years old doing that now I'm 24 and when I go over to Poland Ukraine and you see just the lack of organization there right mm -hmm. because so many people are scared and no organization whatsoever. Um, even in the food kitchen, people were like piling on top of each other, trying to finally get food. And I think being able to stay calm and just assess the situation and try and provide as much organization as I could. I mean, I'm over there as a, a white male speaking only English, right? And not mm -hmm. for the 
part I don't understand. From from Connecticut, so you're probably Connecticut. The only one in your genre. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, uh, we had some people there who could speak some English when they would ask me where I was from. I would just say New York. Um, no one knows Connecticut over another country, I don't think. Um, but regardless, I think being able to provide as much organization as possible to what was already a great lack of organization there and just... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, it wasn't like a mob mentality or anything, but people were just frantically trying to get supplies... Mm-hmm medical supplies or food and uh, trying to find their children. So I think being able to give that impression that if I'm calm and I'm like, I'm wearing like the whole, like I get like the, the volunteer shirt. So they know that I'm there to help them. If they see that I'm calm, like a calm demeanor, then I think it helped out as much as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, any stories of, or people that you particularly remember that you're hopefully either going to, try and stay in contact with or um, have kind of been following since you've come back? Like what was, there are a couple, you mentioned the kids playing soccer, um, the two kids that you found, you know, without obviously mentioning full names at all, were, were there some that just kind of stood out and, and made you not get upset, but feel good about the fact that you were actually able to help move, move the needle a little bit? Good question. I think um, the one that comes to mind was this elderly we had one lull in the craziness there and one and behind the food kitchen. And I just got done being outside, giving out medical supplies. And I came inside to the refugee center. Um, and I remember seeing him just standing there looking for somebody to help. And he spoke only Ukrainian. And I don't know, really know Yako, which means thank you. And I learned that the hard way, just like listening to other people. Um, and he had like, I forget what exactly he wanted, but he had a translator come over and tell me how thankful he was for my help. Um, And he started explaining his situation while being there. And I actually have a picture of what he wrote. And I brought this journal over in case anybody wanted Mm. to. And with the craziness over there, I wasn't able to actually find many people who were willing to write in it. He was the only one. And so after he was talking to me about his experience a little bit, I uh, got someone to translate it for me. Uh, one of my friends who spoke Ukrainian. So, I mean, I can read what he wrote in it. And I can sure, that'd be great. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So he lists the city. Um, he wrote city and then Poland. I'm sure the translation's not perfect, but um, he says, my name is blank, um, from blank, but it's a place in Ukraine. It's about 150 kilometers from Kiev. Uh, I'm very happy to meet my young friend, Aaron, in the center of where refugees from Ukraine are in Poland. I arrived here with the hope of a faster ending to the war between Ukraine and Russia. I'm very grateful for American President Biden and the volunteers from uh, different countries around the world for the support of Ukraine and their fight with Russia. I am hopeful for a quicker victory against our enemies, USA our friends. Um, I'm 67 years old. They won't take me to go fight because of my age and illness, but I am so worried about everyone. Ukraine and its people earned their place in NATO. We now learned who our friends are and who our enemies are. We are one and we will win. And that's, that's what we wrote. And I have the, uh, like the original writing of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was just after he wrote that, because it took him a little while to write that because he had the, I'm not sure what it was, but it took him a while to write all that in Ukrainian. 
And, you know, once I got it back, I, I didn't know what the heck I was reading. And then I came back to the U.S. with a friend translated. And that's when I real that's when I felt good. I think when I finally translated that over and I saw how grateful this man was. I mean, he's tearing up and he's like wiping his eyes, writing it. I felt horrible. You know, I didn't know what he was writing. And when I finally got, got it translated, I think that's when I felt that I felt really good about what I did. You know? So AJ, um, there's a lot of, um, I would imagine there's a bit of perspective that you bring back to coming back to, you know, worrying about whether the Rangers are going to knock off the Hurricanes or, you know, if the Mets are actually going to hold on or, you know, UConn's going to have a good football season. Um, perspective. What was, the, what was the perspective that you brought back? And then uh, the other piece of that is, um, do you have any regrets about going or would you go again? Regrets, uh, I'll start with regrets. I have no regrets about going whatsoever. Um, I would absolutely go again if I had the time. And, you know, I think moving forward, I'm going to not look for these things, but if it becomes an opportunity that opens up, it provided me a lot of, I, I mean, like I felt really good about being able to do more than just, you know, post about it about on social media. Uh, just donating is one thing, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm thanking everyone that donated to uh, my fundraiser to help me go over, but I am in the end, the one who went over, you know, like I'm very grateful that I was able to do more than just donate to a fund that I've never heard of and hope that it's somehow not to Ukraine. Right. I'm actually went over there and use that funding to be over there and donate as uh, I saw fit. And, you know, I would absolutely go again. I have no regrets. The perspective I brought back, I mean, when you're over there, you see just how, I don't want to say sports don't matter because they absolutely do. It's what I'm studying at the master's mm -hmm. and they absolutely do matter. But in the grand scheme of things, when people are frantically running around the refugee center looking for their kids, it, it kind of becomes like it, like it doesn't matter. You know, like the sports meant so little in the grand scheme of things when you're over there. Of course, it helps bring people together, like I explained with those kids playing soccer outside um, who couldn't talk to one another, but they both knew the rules of the game, right? And so the soldiers, by the way, the soldiers were playing with them too. It's another thing. That That's nice. Good to see. Yeah. Uh, I might have a picture somewhere, but mm. you know, it, when you see actual terror in people's eyes versus someone seeing their team lose, it's kind of like, okay, well, let, you know, put things into perspective here. Mm gave me a more worldly, might want to keep saying perspective, but that's pretty much what it is. Yep. You know? um, um, I love sport. I just ended it. You know, I think I still love sports and like I'm a big New York fan for the most part, except for the Packers and NFL. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to like real world events, I think those matter a lot more than I thought they did. Do you think that there's something that you glean from the experience, not just there, but with the Red Cross that could impact a career move that you would make going forward that you hadn't thought about before? I mean, the whole community initiatives thing is definitely an interest of mine now, you know, and I, that, I don't think that's what brought me to the American Red Cross because I, obviously I had um, that internship while I went over anyway, but that's something I now fell in love with to, for lack of better words. I mean, being able to help people, it just gives you a different feeling and not just being in the U.S. and going to a food drive or like donating mm -hmm. good, you know, it means so much more than that to see it firsthand. And I know I keep harping on it, but it's, it meant a lot to me. And 
you know, coming back and having that experience. I want to see what I can do to further that, you know, and I, I love that, you know, I, I find, you know, before this, I was looking for the best paying opportunity and I just want to find the best, uh, the best opportunity that gives me the most satisfaction. Wow. That that's great. Um, the other question before we let you go is, would you go again? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. If I had the, if I had the time, <laughs> you know, the right. class started. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You, you forgot to touch on that. So you did take the time off, but so what was it? You either knew your final, one of the finals. Oh, was yes. gonna, the, so you, that's how you didn't miss a beat. I mean, you literally came back and either did a final, yep. or you told your teachers, by the way, I'm going to the border of Ukraine for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I told Adam Rakin, my professor that um, I was studying for his finance final in, in uh, Poland. <laughs> yeah. I brought over on the seven hour flight and I was uh, studying for that. You know, I, it was just like, think about the, um, there's just the disparity between helping people look for their families and giving out medical supplies and trans transporting them over from a country that's being bombed. And then after your shift is over in the refugee center on a cot, you're studying finance in sports, you know, and that, that's what I was doing. And I'm very happy that, you know, it's, with the professor who works for the Jets, a team you don't like, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As long as it gives me a good grade, really. Um, you know, I was able to study over there right after every one of my shifts. And I came back uh, that very early morning and went to work for uh, admission or not admission for Red Cross at the time and went to class that same day. I commu- it was it was funny because I was that same day I was in Poland and ended up in Harlem, which is where I get off the train to go wow. to Columbia. So yeah. uh, made that two hour commute down right after I got back that very day. So, uh, yeah, I would go again if, uh, if I could, but that's how I didn't miss a, a class technically. And I, you know, did well on both the finals. Cool. Well, that's good to know. And you yeah. obviously used your life experience for this quarter, this semester too. But um, <laughs> last question, AJ, where, um, if, you know, we're going to amplify this as much as we can, but um, sure. if there are people who want to reach out either to the, either it's World Central Kitchen uh, the Red Cross, you personally, where, where would you like people to direct questions or, or thoughts or, or learn more about your experience? I mean, if they want to get in touch with me, my, just my email, ajt2199 at columbia.edu. And of course, if you know people are looking for opportunities, just like what I did, they're, they're out. You know, I signed up for just the food kitchen. Everything I did outside of that was what was available while being there, you know? Right. And of course, just go on the World Central Kitchen's website, and those opportunities are still up. And of course, if you have the time and the financials available, I absolutely suggest it. It gives you a whole different view on the world. Cool. Well, uh, I don't know how we're going to top this one. We keep going kind of down the path. I'm going to have <laughs> Josh is our producer. I'm going to ask him to come up with the next great one because this is, um, again, the the idea is to give people a little bit more perspective, but also show kind of the skills that that have been gleaned in what you can do um, in a world where yes, sports becomes trivial for sure, especially given some of the things that we've seen in the world in the last three or four months or the last century. But, um, but I can't thank you enough. When I heard the story, like everybody else, I'm sure, you know, when you say, well, what did you do last month? The answer is what, 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 what did you just say you did? And, oh, yeah. um, you know, we're lucky to have you in our program. It was a pleasure having you in class in the, the tower of Riverside church last fall. Uh, a classroom unlike no other, that's for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. But but AJ Trulis, I just wanted to thank you for um, 
for taking a little while to kind of tell your story, which is vitally important. Um, and thank you for doing what you did, uh, not just for our program, but, you know, to help kind of moving the needle forward. It was tremendously interesting to learn and incredibly valuable for people who listened. Of course, yeah, and, you know, last comment, of course, I was terrified of the idea of it. And I wasn't terrified until after the shock wore off when I was over there. But once you get mm -hmm. past that, it's, uh, it's worth it. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. If you can. Well, once again, this has been the cusp show. I'm uh, Joe Favorito with our guest, uh, world traveler, uh, football analyst, recruiter, uh, Jack of all trades, AJ Trelease from Connecticut. Um, yeah. I'm Joe Favorito uh, for my co-host, Tom Richardson. This has been the cusp show. Uh, we hope everyone has a great weekend and stay safe where you are and uh, we'll see you down the road.